Bibles to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. We began last week talking about biblical confession. And today we're going to continue talking about faith. Comenzamos la semana pasada hablando de la confesión bíblica y hablando de la fe y esta tarde vamos a continuar nuestro estudio hasta a través de este tema tan importante para el pueblo del Señor. There's a lot that's been taught in the church about faith that's been off. And a lot of times, a lot has been taught about confession that is off as well when you, when you compare it to what the scripture teaches. Hay mucho que se le ha enseñado a la iglesia sobre la fe que no es bíblico y sobre la confesión que no es bíblico. Entonces, la semana pasada comenzamos a ver este tema para a tener una, un entendimiento bíblico sobre qué es la fe, qué es la confesión de acuerdo a la palabra de Dios. We began to study this topic last week so that we could get a sense as to what is the Bible really teaching about confession and about faith. And just as a way of review before we go to the scripture, we saw last week that we are saved when we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You remember that? Somos salvos al confesar a Cristo. We read that the scripture says that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. La escritura dice que Jesucristo es el sumo sacerdote de nuestra confesión. Hebrews 3.1 tells us that. Therefore, we, we confess Christ. Entonces lo que usted y yo confesamos es que confesamos a Cristo. Now this is an important topic for us because when we, when we talk about warfare in the spirit and we talk about the, uh, the shift that's taking place in the body of Christ, it's important for the church to know how to speak. Es muy importante cuando hablamos de la guerra espiritual y de la guerra o la posesión de terrenos nuevos en el espíritu. Es muy importante que la iglesia sepa cómo hablar. We saw how the Bible says that there is life and death in the power of the tongue. La Biblia dice que hay muerte y vida en el poder de la lengua. How many of you know that your mouth can get you into a whole lot of trouble in no time at all? ¿Cuántos saben que nuestra boca nos puede poner en muchos problemas en nada de tiempo? And once it's out, there's no rewind, right? There's no taking it back. Ya cuando sale algo, ya no se puede regresar a nuestra boca. Entonces, la forma que usted y yo hablamos es críticamente importante. The way that you and I speak is critical to our success. And we, we declared last night, or last time, with, with a very emphatic, uh, in the most emphatic way that I could, that Jesus Christ is our confession. We confess Christ 
for salvation and we're saved. We confess Christ for wholeness and we're made whole. We confess Christ for healing and we're healed. We confess Christ for, for empowerment and we're empowered by the Spirit. We have what we have through Christ. And I told you last week, God doesn't give victory to men. He gives victory to Christ. The only way for men to have victory is to be in Christ. If he gave victory to me, I would boast about it and he wouldn't get any glory. But he's not going to give victory to me. He's going to give victory to Christ. And the only way I can get victory is if I'm in Christ. And if I'm in Christ, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Is that what the Bible said? We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We said last week a, a little bit further, going a little deeper, that we confess our sins to God for what? Let's see if you remember. For what? For forgiveness. He says, confess. If any man sin, let him confess his sin to God. And God is faithful and just to forgive him of all unrighteousness. How many of you have confessed your sin to God? Are you forgiven tonight? Give the Lord a shout of praise if you're forgiven. All right. That's the best news. That's why the gospel is good news. Forgiven. Confesamos nuestro pecado a Dios para el perdón de nuestros pecados. Primera de Juan, capítulo 1, verso 9. But then we read James 5, 16. It says, confess your faults one to another that you might be healed. Luego Santiago 5, 16 dice que confesamos nuestros, uh, nuestras debilidades uno al otro para ser sanos. So we saw that. I can't forgive your sin, right? You can confess your sin to me all day. I can't forgive one single sin. Can't forgive my own sin, let alone yours. So we confess our sin to God for forgiveness. We confess our faults one to another for healing. What do we say about that last week? We said that sometimes when there's something going on in your life and you refuse to talk about it or to share it with somebody who has spiritual insight, and can give you wisdom. Instead of healing, you're keeping that wound in the dark, and that wound can't heal. You have to bring it into the light. And guess what? Once you bring a wound into the light, the devil can't use it against you anymore. As long as it's in the dark, he's beating you with it. The moment it's in the light, it's out of his hands. It'd be like going and telling me that Richard Nixon... uh, was impeached. I said, that's old news, devil. Bill Clinton was impeached. That's old news, devil. You, you brought it into the light. Now it's old news. The moment you bring it into the light, God says, all right, now we can heal this. And I told you, you know, don't go tell every neighbor uh, your faults and, and don't tell the spiritually immature. But if you have a, a person in your life who is spiritually mature, who can give you the wisdom of God, You confess your faults. You share. You say, look, I'm struggling with this. Satan's tempting me this way. I need you to help me pray. And they give you an answer from the word of God. There's going to be healing in that. All right. Then we talked about Romans chapter 8, verse 6 through 8. It says that the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the spirit is life. Therefore... And when you think about what Proverbs 18.21 says, it says, There is life and death in the power of the tongue. When you speak 
faith, faith is always positive. Faith uses words like, I can, I am able, I will, I am, I have. How many of you have, does that sound like you? We can, we have, we are able. That's what faith sounds like. Unbelief, I can't, I'm not able. I might, somebody say I might. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but does that sound like some of you? Oh, poor me, I can't do this. Faith always believes. Unbelief is negative. So when faith is talking, there's life there. When unbelief is speaking, there's death. And I told you that the reason the children of Israel didn't get out of the desert into the promised land, the generation that left Egypt, was because they did not mix what they knew with faith. They could not see themselves in the promised land, therefore they could not enter the promised land. And their confession was in the desert, we're going to die in the desert. Well, guess what? They died in the desert. Not just because they spoke it, but because it was what, was what they were saying was what's coming out of their heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So how do you get a heart full of faith? The word. Now you guys are learning. That's good. A heart full of faith comes from the word. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The gossip from the neighbor. No, hearing what? The word of Christ. Entonces, si la, la, la boca puede traer muerte o vida, dice Romanos 8, que la mente puesta sobre la carne es muerte, mas la mente puesta sobre el espíritu es vida. Cuando usted habla de la fe, la fe es positiva, la fe cree, la fe puede, la incredulidad no puede, no cree, no se puede, no puedo, es la, es la actitud de la fe, entonces lo que sale de la abundancia de nuestro corazón es vida o muerte para nosotros. Entonces tenemos que llenar nuestro corazón con fe. La fe viene por el oír, la palabra de Dios, no el chisme. La palabra de Dios. So that's why you guys are you guys are smartest people in town because you came to Bible study tonight to fill up your heart with the word so that that word can produce faith in your life. And when the Spirit gets a hold of the word, you start saying things like, "I can." Caleb and Joshua, they went into the promised land. They saw the same thing the ten spies saw. And they came back saying, we are able to go up and take this country. The ten spies came back. What did they say? We are not able. Were they able? No, they weren't. They died in the wilderness. Because they couldn't believe. They could not see themselves in the promised land. Therefore, they could not enter the promised land. And I gave you some homework last week, didn't I? Uh Uh-oh. 
It's a good thing I'm not taking it up because I have a feeling that we have some, some late assignments tonight. You remember what your homework was? I told you to go home and draw out your promised land. Right? To put it on paper. And to put some Bible verses next to it. How many of you did your homework? Oh, some of it. Some of you, all right, good. Some of you aren't done yet because the promised land is big. I know. I know. I'm not done yet either. Yo le di tarea la semana pasada tomar una página blanca y poner ahí su tierra prometida. Y algunos todavía no caben porque es una tierra muy grande la que tienen. I haven't finished, but I, I've started, you know, and, and this is why. When you, this is what the scripture says, write the vision and make it plain. Dice la escritura, escribe la visión. When you write something down, it becomes real. When you speak it, it becomes more real. Like you might be thinking, I'm going to go back to school, I'm going to go back to school, I'm going to go back to school, and you're back and forth, and you're back and forth. And then you write it down somewhere, and now it's a little bit more real. And then you tell your husband or your wife, or you tell your, your parent or so on, you say, I'm going to go back to school. And the moment it comes out of your mouth, it's like, oh, it's real now. I'm going back to school. Because I said it. Because I believed it, because I'm praying about it, and this is what I feel God's leading me to do. So here's the thing. If you don't know what your promised land looks like, how will you know when you get there? Si usted no sabe cómo se ve la tierra prometida, ¿cómo va a saber cuando llegue? So I told you, if you're, if you're believing God for health, then put health in there. And if you believe in God for wealth, then put wealth in there. And if you believe in God for the blessing of, 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 of his hand on your children, then put that in there and start claiming the promises of God on that promised land. Because when you start praying God's word over God's promises with the help of the Holy Spirit, you are now confessing biblical confession all all we're saying is this biblical confession you need to write this down is when you agree with god la confesión bíblica es cuando usted se pone de acuerdo con dios how many of you agree with god how many of you agree with god with your mouth that's important isn't it tenemos que ponernos de acuerdo con Dios. Prayer, I've told you before, is not about getting God to agree with you. Prayer is about you agreeing with God. La oración no es para que Dios se ponga de acuerdo con nosotros, sino la oración es para ponernos de acuerdo con Dios. Cuando yo vengo y digo, Señor, he sido confrontado con este problema, pero tu palabra dice que ninguna arma forjada contra mí prevalecerá y cualquier lengua que se levante contra mí será cerrada y yo, yo pongo mi mano sobre esta promesa. When you say, God, I 
I have a challenge in my life. This, this, this trial has come up in my life. But your word says that no weapon formed against me will prosper. And that every tongue that rises up against me will be condemned. And now I'm asking you to do what you promised in my life. You are actually just agreeing with God. Now, there's some, there's some confession that's being taught today that's what I call name it and claim it. Blab it and grab it. It's really just wishful thinking. Okay, faith is not about wishful thinking. Confession is not about wishful thinking. It's about agreeing with God. So guess what? If you want to have possession of the promises of God in your life, you're going to need to know the promises of God. Si usted quiere poseer las promesas de Dios, tiene que conocer las promesas de Dios. Now that's why there's a, a, a big difference sometimes in some people getting answers to prayer and other people's not getting answers to prayer. And the difference is that one's agreeing with God and the other is not agreeing with God. When you bring the word of God into your mouth and you pray the word by the spirit of God, you are engaging in a powerful warfare strategy. All right. That's just the review from last week. Okay. I, we went real deep last week and uh, some of you haven't come back to the surface yet. Yeah. They're still trying to digest all that, so that's good. But here's, we're going to continue now. Romans chapter 4. Go to verse 18. It says, Romans 4.18, In hope against hope, he what? All right, let's try that again. In hope against hope, he believed. So that he might become a father of many nations, according to that which has been spoken, so shall your descendants be. And without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief. But grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. Now, not for his sake only, but it is written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited that those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he who was delivered over because of our transgression and was raised because of our justification. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. I pray that you would quicken it in every one of our spirits and bring it alive to us that we might learn to fight the good fight of faith. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. I read to you last week what Paul says to the Corinthians. He said, they believed 
therefore they spoke. Now I want us to look at faith tonight. What does it mean to believe? And we have as our example, the primary example in the scripture is Abraham. Abraham is the father of the faith. Tenemos como nuestro ejemplo para la fe en la vida de Abraham, que es el padre de la fe. Y cuando hablamos de la fe, tenemos que hablar de Abraham porque él es el que entendió desde el inicio lo que era ser justificado por la fe. Abraham learned what it was like from the very beginning to be justified by faith. And I want to give you five factors of faith. Quiero darles cinco factores de la fe. Now, I know I have about half an hour, so I'll get as far as I can. But uh, we're going to do our best. Five factors of faith. Cinco factores de la fe. These are essential elements that we need to understand in order to understand faith. Estos son los elementos que tenemos que entender para entender la fe. Are you ready? Number one. Faith understands that the object of faith is God. That's number one. The first factor, el primer factor de la fe es esto, es entender que el objeto de nuestra fe es Dios. The factor of our, or the, um, the, the object of our faith is God. Here's where people get off sometimes. They have a lot of faith in faith and little faith in God. I have a lot of faith. Well, the Bible really doesn't tell you have to have a lot of faith, does it? So where people get mis misunderstand this topic is in thinking that the, the, uh, the goal is to have big faith. The object of our faith is not faith. The object of our faith is God. El objeto de nuestra fe no es la fe misma. Muchos dicen, tengo gran fe. Y no hay nada malo que en eso. Debemos tener tan grande fe como Dios nos ha dado por medida. Pero el objeto de nuestra fe no es la fe. Es Dios el, el objeto de nuestra fe. In other words, the centerpiece is God, not our faith. The centerpiece or, or the key to an answer to prayer, the key to getting uh, victory, the key to walking in the favor of God is not going to be you and me having faith, but it's going to be God himself. He's the key. He's the object. So I'll put it to you like this. Some people have big faith in a small God. Not anybody in here, but some people I've met. Algunos tienen fe grande en un Dios chiquito. Diosito. A ver qué dice Diosito. Y qué vale tener fe grande en un Dios que no puede hacer nada. What's the use of having great faith in a God who can do nothing? So the object of our faith must never be how much faith we have. The object must always be God. We keep our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith. 
You never keep your eyes on faith. You keep your eyes on Christ. Nuestros ojos están sobre el autor y consumador de nuestra fe. Nuestros ojos no están en nuestra fe, sino que están en el autor de la fe. Porque Él es el que da la fe. It's He that gives us faith. You know, I can't have faith unless God gives us it. God gives us a measure of faith. So here's really what Jesus said. You'll, you'll know this by heart. He said, if you have as much faith as a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. Are there any mountains in your way right now? Are there any mountains standing between you and the promised land? I mean, we're in South Texas. It's as flat as it can get. But I'm saying there's some mountains sometimes that get in between here and there. And it's going to take faith to move them. You know that, right? It's going to take faith to move it. But he said, your faith doesn't have to be very big. It has to be just big enough to have some faith. Because we don't have big faith in a small God. We have, as long as we have small faith in a big God, we have the right kind of faith. Here's the way I, I kind of saw it growing up when, because because, you know, the, the Pentecostal church is on this subject of faith. We, we hear people talk like this. Don't lose your faith. You'll never get your answer to prayer. you never get your miracle if you don't have enough, enough faith. So it's kind of like this. You have a little glass of water. It's, it's filled to the brim. And they say, look. You got to get from this side of the football field to that side without dropping a single drop of water. And if you can do that, God will give you what you're asking for. Algunos pintan la fe como un vaso de agua que está llenito y dice, mira, si puedes cruzar esta esta uh, how do you say football field? Cancha? Is it cancha? The football? Si puedes cruzar de aquí a allá sin tirar una gota de agua, que esa es tu fe, entonces Dios te va a dar el milagro. You start, right? Y ahí vamos. And guess what? No matter, it sounds like the more careful you are, you'd lose some, right? And, and the name and claim it crowd would say, yeah, you lost it. Si, si se salió una gota de agua, ya la perdiste, ya no vas a ganar esta, esta victoria. But you know what the Bible really teaches? So look, this is your glass of water. This is your faith. It's in the, in the glass. If you can get from that side over there to the other and just have a drop left, You'll see God work in your life. Doesn't that sound different? That, there should be some hallelujahs in here tonight. 
And you know, this is, this is because it's the reality we get over sometimes. And, and the, the trial is tough. The, the, the challenge, the season is tough. And it seems like when you get over there, he says, if you just have one drop left. But sometimes you don't even have a drop left. And what I love about that is that we have a spirit of faith. That means that the Holy Spirit, if you get over there and don't have any faith left, He will deposit faith to get you over the finish line. Is there anybody in the house of God tonight? So our eye is not on the glass of water. It's on the cross. It's on what Jesus did. It's on the victory of our God and of His Christ. And as long as our eyes are on Him, He's the object. Wherever our faith falls short, that spirit of faith gets us over. Now, think about Abraham, because Abraham, he had a long football field, 25 years long. Now, the Bible says, it uses a very interesting term. It says that he did not waver in unbelief. But I have a problem with that because I read Genesis. Dice Romanos que Abraham no, no, estu, no claudicó entre los pensamientos, sino que su fe perseveró. Pero cuando yo veo Genesis, veo otra imagen, otro retrato. You read Genesis, you see a different picture. What do you see in Genesis? Genesis 12, he receives a promise. By Genesis 15, he's complaining about the fact that the promise has not come. And he's saying, God, who am I going to give the inheritance to? It's going to have to go to a servant in my house named Eliezer. And yada, 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 yada. And then you get a little further. And Sarah says to Abram, you know what? Let's help God. You go have a baby with Hagar. And he says, okay, good idea. They have a baby. But by the time he crosses the line, God says he did not waver in faith or in unbelief. So what is going on here? Here's what happened. You know what happened? The Bible said that God called Abram. And the moment Abram took the first step, God said, it's done. I said, the moment Abram took the first step, God said, it's done. He is justified by his faith. The momento que Abram tomó el primer paso, because the scripture said, Romans says, he was justified before he did anything good or bad. The moment he believed. Have you believed? Have you taken the first step? Guess what? Your Isaac is on the way. I said your Isaac is on the way. Have you taken the first step in faith? God said I'm going to carry you across the finish line. I have to drag you there because you have, you have put your faith in me. I'm the object. All he did was believe God. 
Abraham todo lo que hizo fue creerle a Dios Y la jornada fue así Subidas y bajadas y para la derecha, la izquierda Pero llegó porque él le creó a Dios First factor of faith is to understand that God is the object of our faith. If you can believe God, everything else is possible. Si le puedes creer a Dios, todo lo demás es posible. All right, second factor of faith. Faith does what God reveals. The second factor. Segundo factor es que la fe hace lo que Dios revela. La fe hace lo que Dios revela. This is very important. Okay, I don't want you to miss this because there's the the false teaching that goes around is kind of like this that. You know, you get some idea in your head. Say, I'm going to do this for God. But maybe God didn't tell you to do it. So, let me ask you a question. Is God obligated to bless something that you are doing for him that he did not ask you to do? <laughs> but we feel that way, don't we? But I was doing it for God. Well, if God told you to do it, then faith does. If God didn't tell you to do it and you do something, now you are presuming on God. Now, this is, this is a little bit hard to swallow. I know, so I'm going to give it to you slowly. And I'm going to give it to you like applesauce so that we can get it. See, si yo digo, yo voy a hacer algo para Dios, pero Dios no me dijo que lo hiciera. Entonces, ¿estará Dios obligado a bendecirme si Él no me dijo que lo hiciera? No. Entonces, la fe es cuando uno obra en lo que Dios le dijo. Y cuando uno hace lo que Dios no le dijo, está, uh, está how do you say, presume. Presumiendo. <laughs> Asumiendo, está, está pensando, Dios va a hacer esto porque yo lo estoy haciendo para Él. Por ejemplo, uno, un pastor quizá dijo, vamos a hacer una iglesia de cinco mil asientos. Y no, no pudo terminarla. Y luego dice, pero Dios, ¿por qué no me ayudaste? Y el Señor le dije, bueno, yo no te dije que hicieras eso. So, an example, a pastor maybe says, I'm going to build a church that said 5,000. And he can't finish it. And he says, God, why won't you help me finish? He says, I didn't tell you to start. So, let's bring a little bit further down. You might have that, that dream house or that dream car. 
Uh oh, we're getting personal now, Pastor. You just dismiss the service right now with Abraham. I want you to know that faith isn't presuming on God. You read the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Faith, Hebrews 11. Every verse says, by faith. For instance, by faith, Noah prepared the ark. Did did he just get a wild idea someday? I'm going to build an ark. Who gave him the idea? God. Guess what? If God gives you the plan and you act on faith, you can guarantee God's going to show up. He's going to do it. By faith, Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees. Who told him to leave? God. So faith, we need to understand, is acts on what God has revealed. And guess what? If it's in the Bible, then you and I can act on it. If it's not in the Word, if the Word is silent on something, you and I need to be careful how we act. So we don't presume on God. Because the Bible says in the Psalms that a presumption is a sin. Cuando usted y yo vemos algo en la Biblia, podemos orar y proclamar eso, porque es la palabra de Dios. Si algo no está en la palabra, tenemos que ir cuidadosamente para asegurarnos que esto lo dijo Dios. Que esto es lo que Dios quiere hacer porque él no está obligado a ayudarnos a hacer algo que él no nos llamó a hacer. Is this, is this making sense tonight? Okay, God told Abram, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. You know what I love about Abraham? Even when he messed up with Hagar, he messed up trying to do what God had promised. Aún Abraham cuando fracasó, fracasó queriendo obedecer a Dios. So if you're going to fail, if we're going to fall, let's fall in the direction of obedience. And not in the direction of presumption. Si vamos a caer, vamos a caer en la dirección de la obediencia. Now, let me, let me tell you this. Just because God told you to do it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Because here's the thing. You could be out of God's will and everything line up, and you could be right in God's will and nothing line up. And if you go by circumstances, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. A veces si usted se guía por las circunstancias, creyendo si me va bien es porque Dios estuvo en el asunto, si me va, si es difícil es porque Dios no estuvo. A veces Dios no está en el asunto y todo va bien. Y cuando Dios está en el asunto, todo va mal. Pero usted tiene que saber que usted escuchó de Dios. Porque su fe está siendo probada. Your faith is being tested right there. When, when God tells Noah to build an ark and nobody shows up to help. What do you think went through his mind? Well, if the Lord was in this, somebody would help me. 
Not necessarily. If God is in it, you do what he told you to do. And the end result will be for the glory of God. Is the church here tonight? All right, number three. Factor number three. Know the problem and the problem solver. Factor número tres. Conoce el problema y el que soluciona el problema. Know the problem and the problem solver. Here's the problem. Uh, here's the situation. Sometimes when you hear people talk about faith, they'll teach it like this. Don't, if you have a headache, don't say you have a headache because then you will really have a headache. Anybody, any Pentecostals in here know what I'm talking about? So in essence, they're teaching us, deny reality. But here's the thing. Faith doesn't deny reality. It understands it. It's not governed by it. La fe no niega la realidad. Hay una enseñanza que dice, si tienes un dolor de cabeza, y dices, yo tengo un dolor de cabeza, vas a tener un dolor de cabeza, porque lo dijiste. Y es importante reconocer que tenemos que conocer la realidad de la situación. La realidad no nos gobierna, pero la tenemos que entender. Look at verse 19. Vea el verso 19. Without becoming weak in faith. You know what I think about Abram? In his mind he grew weak in faith, but his heart never did. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Dice que, que él no, no flaqueó en su fe. Yo creo que Abraham en su mente entraba la duda, pero en su corazón nunca entró la duda. He had a spirit of faith. It says, without becoming weak in faith, what did he do? He contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Did he understand the problem? Yeah. Was he denying it? No. Dice que él vio su cuerpo que estaba como muerto y su y, y la muerte que estaba en el vientre de Sara. Él no no negó la realidad, sino que la entendió. You and I will, in, in times of trouble or trial, need to know our situation. We need to know reality. We don't deny reality, but we aren't governed by it. He said he contemplated his own body being as good as dead and the deadness of Sarah's womb, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith. In other words, the older he got, the more convinced he became. The more impossible it looked, the more possible it looked. 
Because he knew the problem, but he also knew the problem solver. Now, unbelief, you don't want to hang out with unbelievers, right? And I don't mean like people who don't believe in Christ and confess Christ. I mean Christians who don't have any faith. You don't want to hang out with them because you hang out with them and they are negative all day long, right? You've met those people? If you haven't, you might be them, so be careful. Okay. <laughs> we all know the people that we don't go to when we have a problem, right? Because if we tell them, they're just going to bring us further down. And you definitely don't go to them when you're up because they'll bring you down anyway. <laughs> You don't want to be around the unbelievers when you have a problem. You get around some faith, some believers. They say, all right, that's the problem, but I know the problem solver. That one looks tough, but I know someone who's bigger than that problem. I know somebody that's bigger than that challenge. I know somebody that's bigger than that test. He's bigger than that mountain. And, and he says, Scripture said that he grew stronger in faith. Day by day. Each passing day, Abraham grew stronger in his faith. Cada día Abraham se fortalecía en su fe. ¿Por qué? Porque él conocía a Dios. Y porque él conocía a Dios, él sabía que entre más imposible la situación, más posible que eso era, iba a ser obra de Dios. What was God doing? God was bringing Abraham to the end of himself. So that the only one that would get the glory would be God. Dios estaba trayendo a Abraham al fin de sí mismo para que Dios se llevare la gloria. Number four. Maintain unwavering endurance in faith. Número cuatro. Mantiene la perseverancia en la fe. This, this Greek word literally means don't be double-minded. I can, I can, I can, I can. Can, I can. If you're double-minded, James tells us you ought not to expect anything from God. Aquí tiene el sentido de tener, tener dos mentes. Sí, no, sí, no, se puede, no se puede. Lo puedo, no se puede. Dios lo va a hacer, Dios no lo va a hacer. Y ahí está, y en entre esa doble mente, Dios dice en Santiago 1, que el que tiene doble mente no debe esperar nada de Dios. We don't have any double-minded people in here tonight, right? No. He endured. We all know this, but it needs to be said. Faith is a long-distance run, isn't it? La fe es una carrera larga. It's too bad faith is not a sprint. It's cross-country. All weather. La fe no es una carrera corta como de aquí a allá, porque si así fuera, todos llegáramos bien fácil. Pero la fe es una carrera larga. Hay valles, montañas, lluvia, frío, 
escasez. Hay todas las cosas en esa carrera. Tenemos que perseverar en la fe. Number five, last one. Faith is convinced of the promises of God. Número cinco, la fe está convencida de las promesas de Dios. Faith is convinced that God will do what he said. Look at verse 21. Being fully assured that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Dice el verso 21 que Abraham estaba convencido de lo que, que Dios había prometido. También lo podía hacer. I want to ask you, are you convinced tonight? Faith is being convinced that what God said he would do, he'll do. And sometimes in life, the scripture says, the testing of our faith. There are tests to our faith. Our, our faith is proven because it's an endurance run. And we must be convinced of it. Convinced of what? The fact that I have a lot of faith? No. Convinced that I have a big God. And that when he speaks, he does what he says. That he is not only able to say it, but he's also able to perform it in my life. He's able to do what he promised. And so for this reason... Abraham is credited righteousness. Because he did what? He believed God. And he obeyed God based on that faith. And as he walked out in that faith, God honored him. And as you and I walk in faith, he'll honor us. We have to honor these factors that we see in, this, in the scripture tonight. That's what I tell you. When, you. when you write out that promised land vision... Put scripture with it. Because if there's no scripture to back it, you might be presuming. You need to know what does God's word say about this? Can I claim this is from God? Or am I just making, is it just coming out of thin air? And when you have a word from God, an assurance from God, here's the thing about it it sticks. Your mind might struggle at times with it, but your heart is steadfast. I believe God. I believe God. Now, the scripture says that faith without works is what? Is dead. So tonight, I want to challenge you. Write it down. Brother Josh, can you come? Write it down. Speak it. And then act on it. All right. I'm going to get real personal now. You haven't already been, Pastor. If, you're, if your vision for your life is to be debt free, you 
Nobody? So if your vision for your life is to be debt free, see, some of you will never be debt free because you can't see yourself being debt free. But if your vision for your life is to be debt free, I want you to write it down. I want you to put scripture with it. And then I want you to begin to speak it in prayer and pray the word. But then guess what? You have to put some action with it. That might mean you don't spend like you used to. Because see, what we're thinking is a bundle of cash is going to fall out of heaven while I'm praying and pay off my debts. I'm not saying it won't happen, but it's unlikely. An armored truck's going to take a quick turn and out will come, you know, your mortgage. I don't think it's probably going to happen that way. If it does, you, you should probably return the money, okay? But you understand what I'm thinking? You understand where, where, where there's a fault in our thinking? We're praying to be debt free, but then we expect debt freedom to fall out of heaven. Here's the thing the Lord spoke this to us the very first week of this year, and He's saying it to us again about being a Joshua generation. The difference is this the people that, that came out of Egypt. They died in the promised land. And we already said why. But God did miracles for them. But the Joshua generation, God did miracles through them. Because they were mature. Forty years, they ate manna from heaven. The moment they crossed the Jordan, no more men. And they thought, I guess it's a 21-day shift. But after 21 days, there's still no men. Oh boy, this is a 40-day shift. 40 days, no men. They realized, we're going to have to plant some crops. Because God was no longer doing miracles for them. He was doing them through them. Kingsway, God wants to do miracles through you. So if you want to be debt free, He's not going to do it for you. He's going to do it through you. Is the church listening? You say, well, I want to be healthier. Guess what? I wish we could say, we're going to run seven laps around the church, and you're going to be A-OK. Guess what? Probably not going to happen. He's going to do this miracle through you. Guess what? If your picture is health, and you have Scripture next to it, and you are praying it, and you're speaking it, you're also going to have to Live it. I said I was going to get personal. I'm sorry, but this is the only way we learn around here. Am I, am I getting through? 
The church has, has to stop sitting with his arm crossed, waiting for stuff to happen. Faith without works is dead. So I want you to believe for a paid off house, and then I want you to pray for a paid off house, and I want you to pray for God to give you strategies. And I want you to believe God and obey those strategies. And do those things. And here's the thing. If in 10 years, you're in the same spot you're in tonight. Say, God forbid. Come on, say, God forbid. But if in 10 years you're in the same spot you're in tonight, don't blame the preacher. Say amen. Don't say, I need a new preacher. People leave churches all the time because they need a new preacher. They don't need a new preacher, they need new habits. They need to do what they're being taught. Are you being taught the word of Kingsway Church? Are you were where you were when you started? Have you made some progress? I say, have you made some progress? Have you made some progress? Are you where you're going yet? We're not there yet, but guess what? We're not where we started. You have to put some work with that faith. If we believe in healing, we pray for healing. We believe that God is able to save your loved ones. You pray for them. You put a verse next to them. You anoint their pillow with oil. You sabotage them with every kind of witness you can. And then guess what? You invite them to church. And if they don't come, you invite them the next time. They say they don't have a ride. You go around town and you pick them up for church. Faith without works is dead. You see, we pray, Lord, save my loved one. Save my loved one. Save my loved one. But you don't ever witness to them. You don't ever invite them to the house of God. God said he will bless whatever you do. All right. I know this is heavy tonight, but that's the only way I know how to cook. Do you receive the word?